Father, thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us to come here and once again be together in your presence. This body of believers, this part of your body. Jesus Christ, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you that your favor surrounds us as a shield. No weapon formed against us will prosper. We are blessed beyond all measure. Above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. You are a good, good Father. And we thank you for your perfect provision. Our healing, our health, and wholeness, and prosperity are just as much a part of our inheritance through the atonement as the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you that our names are written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we didn't get to see one another through the Resurrection Sunday, the Easter holidays. Uh, we missed you, but we're together now, praise God. Did any of you get to listen to the messages? Uh, some of it, part of it, maybe. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. The... I guess the main theme is uh, everything. Our salvation, our life, our eternal life with, with God made possible through the atonement of Jesus Christ. God had a problem. His very nature, His love and mercy and forgiveness, that's what He wants. But He was in, He had a problem. Believe it or not, God had a problem. Because his very throne is founded on his justice and his word. And man had put themselves, put themselves in a great predicament. He gave them authority in earth and they gave it away. And then he gave them opportunity for 1,500 years to try and earn it back, knowing that they couldn't and no one ever did. And so, he stepped down from his throne and came here, became just like one of us, laid aside all of his powers and rights and privileges, was raised up for 30 years, learning about himself through his relationship with the Father and the first five books of this Bible and the prophets. Then he was baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin. And at the same time, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then he began his three and a half year ministry. Then he began the miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the wonderful divine exchange of the cross on our behalf was the end of it. He was punished so that we could be forgiven. He was wounded so we could be healed. He was made sin with our sin so we could be made righteous with his righteousness. Amen. Amen. He tasted death so that we could enjoy his life. He became the curse so that we could enjoy the blessing. He endured poverty. As he hung suspended between heaven and earth, rejected by both, 
so we could share in His abundance. He endured our shame so we could share in His glory. He endured our rejection so we could enjoy acceptance in Him with the Father. He was cut off from God so that we could be joined together once again with Him. And our old man, that sinful nature, was put to death on the cross in Him so that the new man might come to life in us. In Galatians 2.20, Paul says, It is, I was crucified with Christ. This life that I now live in this body is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The same power that raised Him from the dead now lives in me and gives life to this mortal body. We are supernatural beings. We got to get away from the natural. We got to get away from the worldly wisdom. We got to get away from the carnal teachings and believe this word more than we believe what the world says. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. Amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, matter of fact, Paul was talking about this. He went to the Corinthian church. He was telling them that we walk by faith and not by, by sight. Our, our heavenly dwelling has been prepared for us in, in, in chapter 5. And he was warning them that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now these are rewards or the lack of them, not judgment, not for Christians, okay? It's not the white throne judgment. This is the other one where some of us will walk through and... Uh, all the hay and stubble will be burned up and we'll come through smelling like smoke, but we'll be there. <laughs> but he's discouraging that and he's encouraging us to be built up with precious stones, pure gold of God's righteousness and the new man that he's given us to be. Allow Christ to live through us. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. All things have become new, the King James says. Well, we look around our physical bodies and, and we see our mindsets and we say, Wait a minute, maybe it didn't work for me. No. It's not that. It's just that God is a spirit, John 4, 24, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're a spirit with a mind, a personality, which we'll always have. That soul riding around in this body, which we'll get a new one of these, which He was just talking about here, our heavenly dwelling. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank <clears throat> you.
But look what he says in chapter 6 is where I was going. All the wonderful things I just told you. All the divine exchanges. I think I listed 10 of the divine exchanges that took place at the cross. And then Paul says here in chapter 6, Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God. What's the grace of God? Everything provided through the atonement of Jesus Christ. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you or given you favor. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He was warning these this church that... Some haven't believed. Don't receive the grace that it was preached to you, the, the, the wonderful news, the good news, the gospel, which, which literally translates to the almost too good to be true news. Don't receive it in vain. Why were these believers having so much trouble with this? Why were they struggling to receive the grace of God and walk in its fullness? They had heard the truth preached to them by Paul. Maybe they were just struggling with unbelief, which is the biggest problem. That's how Isaiah 53 starts out. Who has believed our message? And then he goes on for 12 verses of Isaiah 53 to tell exactly how it went down. 700 years before it ever did. But the first thing the Holy Spirit warns against is unbelief. Maybe they were struggling with unbelief. And maybe they were confused because of all the different teachers running around confusing them with different doctrine. And I think this is a big problem in the body of Christ now. That's why I harp on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why I preach on the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in these end times that the true bride of Christ, because how many of you know there are a lot of tares growing with the wheat? God said so. He said, let them be. If I know there are tares amongst the church, not real believers, and I go and weed them out, And you happen to be very close to one of them. That I might rip the weed out with the, with the weed. You see? God says, just hold on. I'm sending the reapers. I'm sending the angels to do that job. They'll, they'll pull the weeds and burn them up. And then they'll gather the wheat and bring it to me in my storehouse. Amen. But we don't want to receive the grace of God in vain. We want to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit. Walking in power and authority and victory in our personal lives. We want to receive all the help, all the healing, empowerment, love and prosperity that God has to offer. So that we can share it with others. Freely we have received, freely we will give. Amen. 
I was ministering about the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit, and I think I got through the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and I haven't gotten to the vocal gifts. And I will. But God told me, hold on. Because there's, there's another side of the coin. The fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. First of all, let me explain or, or list the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's God's character. And that has been placed in you, in your born-again spirit. The thing, the tricky thing about the spirit, when we have the sin nature of the spirit of Satan living in us, it was compelling us to do things. We want to do good, don't want to do good, want to do good, and boom, right back to the bad. Now, the good news, that's been evicted. God's renewed your spirit and sealed it with the promised Holy Spirit so it's incorruptible. If you've really, been, if you've really had an encounter with the Lord, really received Him, not like I did a couple of times, getting baptized, drunk, and doing it for all the wrong reasons, never really worked. See, people get confused with that thing about if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Okay, I confess Jesus is Lord. Wait a minute. You missed the first part. They're really... To really believe, because right believing will bring about right doing. Yes, it will. Some things are going to change. Desires will change, you see? So now all the things that I used to do that were bad and just be drawn to, even though I want to do good, I want to do good, I go right back to the bad. Now, I think, you know, still tempted with things or, you know, I'm not tempted, just like... It says Jesus was tempted in all ways just as we are, yet without sin. Same thing. It, said, it doesn't really tempt me, but it, the enemy tries, right? So those same things that tried to tempt me, that tempt me before and I'd fall for it now, uh, or like, okay, uh, Devon and I, we, we're disagreeing about something, say, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stay mad at her. I'm going to be mad at her. Oh, no, I love you. I forgive you. You see? The other, in the old life, it would be the opposite. We get mad, we stay mad. I ain't getting over this. You know. And so we put ourselves in prison, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. You have that in you, full-blown and full-grown. But the Bible talks about it in a lot of times in ways that sounds like it's not. That's because... We have to understand, sometimes you're talking about this, the new man, the spirit. Sometimes you're talking about our soulish realm, which is being renewed as we grow and are discipled in Christ. And then this thing will just follow suit. You get the spirit and the soul in agreement with God, believe me, your body will line up with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we have to have, we through, through faith. The Bible says, through faith we understand that the things that were made were made from things that can't be seen. So, through faith we have understanding. So we have to have understanding and faith to appropriate the things provided by grace. Through the atonement of our Lord Jesus. What Jesus has provided through the cross. 
Then all the blessings of obedience listed in Deuteronomy 28 and none of the curses listed will be ours in abundance by grace. Amen. But we have a part to play, don't we? Why did I skip over the last few um, gifts of the Spirit and go to the fruit of the Spirit? I believe God told me to. I'll get back to that. Because sometimes, well, you'll understand, I think, Lord, help me make the trip. All Christians are called to bring forth fruit. Okay? And to exercise the gifts. Both. The gifts are the power of God. The fruit is the character of God. Amen? The gifts are given and received in a single, brief, unearned transaction. Amen. Amen. The fruit comes or grows by a process of cultivation, gradual growth, and, and, it, and it has to be tended to in the garden of our hearts. Amen. Yes. Let's look at a couple of natural examples. I have an apple tree in my backyard and three pear trees. When we heard that Harper, our, our grandbaby girl, we have another one now, but when we heard Harper was coming, she turned three in October, I, I said, well, little kids like fruit trees. I'm going to go plant something. So I planted some trees in the backyard. A couple of them didn't make it. But I have an apple tree now that I've, and the three pear trees that I've cultivated, I've, I had to, the apple tree was growing crooked, I had to put a strap on it and a T-post and ratchet it up for a year and a half, and I had to fertilize and, and put in the tree spikes and, the, and water it and stuff like that, you know. Otherwise, left unattended, they probably wouldn't have made it. I had to cultivate that. That's like the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are like a Christmas tree. You ever heard that old song, that, and presents on the tree? And I was like, what? We don't put presents on the tree. Well, I, I guess they used to. I don't know. But let's just say under the tree is on the tree, okay? <laughs> but that's, that's, how, that's how the gifts of the Spirit are. They're... They come, they're unearned, they, they're a single, brief, one-time, unearned transaction. You receive it, and that's it. Amen? Amen. Don comes in, he has a, a leg that is uh, two inches shorter than the other side. It's not sick. 
It doesn't need a heal. It needs a miracle. That's like a gift on the tree. Okay? We pray. We receive that miracle from God. That leg grows out instantly, which I've, I've seen that a bunch of times. That's why I'm using that example. That's a miracle. Brief. Nothing I did to earn it or deserve it. I was just used as the conduit by God to give Don a gift. Amen. Amen. All right. So we get it. But both the gifts and the fruit come from the Holy Spirit. And they are codependent. Or they should be. There are some groups that say, well, we have the fruit. I've seen many like this, where the minister, huge congregations and huge denominations, whatever, nothing against anyone, but they will explain away things in the, in the Bible where, like Jesus said, he was talking about all the miracles, signs, and wonders, and he told the disciples, the things that I do, you will do, and even greater things you will do. And since this group does not believe in the gifts, they just believe in the fruit. We walk in love. And, it, and could it be that he meant the greater things would be greater love and, and, uh, and greater uh, blessings for the community and things like that? Well, okay, you know. But what about the things he was doing? Not the greater things, just the things he was doing. Let's start with those. You can't dismiss the signs and wonders. Haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? Who God anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He didn't even differentiate between someone who was demonized and someone who was ill. Either way, you got cast it out. He said, I only do what I see my father do. And then he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, and in, in John 10, 10, he said, I came, the thief came, the devil came to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Sickness, disease, strife, divorce, poverty. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly to the full. That's God's will. Third John 2, beloved, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. See the correlation though? There's the fruit. There's a partnership. There's a relationship. A strong, long-term relationship. Like I saw somebody post about yesterday. Bless my heart. Amen. Are y'all with me? Okay. I would have stopped and got y'all some donuts or something, but I don't think it's illegal right now. <laughs> I wanted to have a little party. I told Devonna, I said, man, of all times, we ought to be having fellowship and cake and at least communion. I don't think we can do anything. I just, just look at each other from afar and be blessed. Amen. <laughs> Listen, they should be codependent. And here's why. Because some people say, now, now, not just picking on those people that say, well, we walk in love and, and all that and compassion, so we don't need the gifts and we don't believe in the gifts. Well, and then others, there are others that are equally as wrong who say, well, we have the gifts. We don't need the fruit. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. We're, we're the big shots, you know. We come here, we get you healed, we get you and all that. You know, that's, that's just so silly. Both are wrong and both are unscriptural, you see. So having the gifts, which is the power and ability of God working in and through a Christian, without character, which is the fruit, is very dangerous. Can you see where it would be? You read about how Paul had to rebuke the Corinthian church. They were like little babies in their Christian diapers running around with all these gifts and stuff. They didn't know how to handle it. And he had to get them in order. But the gifts without the character, it's like giving a, like giving a 16-year-old kid a brand new Corvette. <laughs> or a five-year-old an automatic weapon. You know, just doesn't make sense. Not, not wise at all. And fruit, or the character, without the power and ability of God working in us, is really ineffective. Do you understand what I mean by that? A Christian, being a Christian is more than just being uh, sympathetic and compassionate and kind, which we should be, of course. In other words, a sick person, they should and can expect love and compassion from a Christian, right? They should be able to. But it requires the gifts. I mean, they need for faith to be working in their life or the, the gifts of healings or a miracle to actually be useful to actually meet that need in that sick person, don't they? Jesus is the perfect example of that, isn't he? Of everything, really. But he had the gifts and the character working perfectly in his life, and the gifts enabled him to express his character in action. It was like the dinner bell. They all came to see the miracles and signs and wonders, and then they get to hear about the love of God and the truth. Amen. <laughs> so we need both. If Jesus had both and needed both, then why don't we? That's why I talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If the disciples, if Jesus had to have it before he did any miracle signs and wonders, you know, he didn't go to a party and turn and make all the wine until he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that was his first miracle. Isn't that appropriate as well? Remember what Moses did, his first miracle. He turned the water into blood. Curse brought death. Jesus reversed it. Water to wine, joy and gladness. See the divine exchanges, even in types and shadows from the old... First Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is talking about love. And he, he starts off the chapter by talking about if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and, 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 and uh, have not love, I'm a noisy gong or gang, uh, clanging cymbal. By a prophetic word. So he's talking, he's 
He's talking about both the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. He says, if I have all the gifts of the Spirit, but I don't have the fruit, which the foundation of all the fruit, the fundamental to all the fruit is love and primary to all the fruit. That's why it's the first one listed. No accidents in the Bible. But he's talking about love. And look at verses 8 through 10. Love never fails or ends. As for prophecies, there's one of the gifts, okay? They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, these are all gifts of the Spirit. It will pass away. If we know in part and we prophesy, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When we are perfected in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, then we will be fully like Him, won't we? What will be the need for the gifts? You see what he's saying? When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall know fully. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And then he goes on, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You see that? Both. The point of this is that the gifts are temporary. Although we need them now. We need them very much. All of the bride of Christ, while we're here working and serving as ambassadors of of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, we should be adorned with everything, all the gifts, everything God has for us, we should eagerly desire it, want it, we need it. And we're going to need it more and more and more as we go and grow. But when the perfect comes, there'll be no need for those gifts. Like I said, love is fundamental in all of the fruit. And when we're perfected in character, the gifts will be obsolete. But our character, the fruit of the Spirit, is what we will be forever. Eternally. You're not going to be different. You'll know more. The things that you, you know... I use the example of my brother, my older brother, who's four years older, three and a half years older than me. He passed away when he was my age, which I'll be 55 on Tuesday. When he was 54, he passed away. And, you know, he's like, imagine your own brother coming to church where you're... I wasn't ministering that day. I had had this other, this, uh, this bishop from Florida was in, he ministering. <laughs> and my brother, drunk in church with us, he came to visit, stay with us for a minute. 
that lasted a month. And <laughs> he comes into church, sits on the front row, crosses his legs, his boots out there, crosses his arms, sits there for about half an hour listening. And then says, I don't believe it. <laughs> but you know, he saw something in me before he left. And he knew me before. He was a tough hombre. And he was, he was a little intimidated by little brother because I was crazy. <laughs> but I loved him and he loved me. But before he left, he saw something in me. And I'll never forget, he said, it's real, isn't it? It's real. It is real, bro. And he left. And he never forgot that. And he would talk to me about things from time to time. And he was ill and had made a lot of wrong choices, just like all of us have. But his really got him, you know. And he was in and out of the Veterans Hospital in Amarillo and Lubbock. And he was living in Amarillo at the time. And uh, he was struggling. I was able to reach out to a minister uh, in our uh, association. Uh, had a church in uh, Amarillo. And he went over to his house and visited with him a few times. And uh, when my brother realized that it's not religion, it's relationship... He embraced it in this. Uh, he received the Lord and uh, and he really walked in it. Now, he never lived long enough to enjoy all the benefits of our inheritance in this life and to pass it on and share it with others, you see. But he did get it. And that's a good thing. But listen, we've got an advantage. And what we can do is, if we're really willing to be discipled and to grow in the things of God, we can be a huge help to God. He needs us. He needs you. You know that? Not only does He love you, but He needs you. So, I wanted to talk just for a second and then we're done. But, you know, it's it's not fair to tell somebody what they need and what's available to them, but instead of do a little bit of the how-to. we got to be careful with the how-tos because we don't want to get into works. But there's definitely a bunch of how-tos in the... Have you read all the epistles in the New Covenant? And you notice Paul, he always starts off with a few chapters on telling all of how much God loves you, what he's done for you. It's already done, already sealed, already on deposit. Now, based on that, here's what you do. Not based on you trying to earn relationship, but out of that relationship. In other words, your new character and your good works for God are the fruit of that relationship, not the root. Okay. You can't earn it. That's what he was warning these Corinthians about back there. 
Don't receive the grace of God in vain. They still thought they had to do some things to please God. You can't. All of our righteousness apart from Christ is as filthy rags. But now we're clothed with Christ. We're in Christ. And He's in us. And when God sees us, He sees Him. And it's a done deal. Rest. Rest in that. Because right believing will bring about right doing. Amen. Amen. But let's look at 2 Timothy just a few pages further back. In verse 6. Paul is, this is his last letter to Timothy, who he considered like a son in in Christ. And he raised him up as a minister. He knew him since he was a little boy. And he's the one that had to tell him, don't let anybody disrespect you because you're young and all this. And stir up the gift that was passed on to you through the laying on of hands. And and, uh, preach the gospel. Be prepared. You know, he he really loved this, this young minister. But he's telling him here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in, in everything. Now, some preachers just preach that they just use that to show that they're entitled to <laughs> to be paid for their ministry. And they are. Don't muzzle the ox while he treads out the grain and all that. God has a lot of scriptures to prove that. But that's not what I'm talking about right here. I'm, I'm telling you that Paul is suggesting to Timothy that cultivating fruit is hard work. The hard-working farmer should enjoy... The fruit. And I want to tell you that this is a real thing. <laughs> and it's so awkward because you, without a, a foundational understanding of the grace of God, it's, 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 it's dangerous almost to tell people the things they need to do so that they can enjoy the blessings and the benefits of the atonement and the grace that's already been provided. Amen? Amen. But but you understand that this is our <laughs> this is not this is you're not working from your own strength. You're working from a position of rest. Maybe that's what but anyway, let, let me just let me just get these points to you. This hard working farmer is going to enjoy the cultivated fruit, though. You see, there's a benefit. There's a reason the farmer works. Same as Adam and Eve. They were placed in a beautiful garden in Eden, but they, he gave them the, the right and the privilege to go out and work it, you see. That's a blessing. When, when, they were in the, when the Hebrews were in the desert for 40 years, God rained down manna from heaven every day for them to eat. Notice it was every day. If they tried to keep it for two days, except on the Sabbath, it would spoil. They had to go get the manna every day. That's the word of God. Amen? So, that's the first thing. is You need to study God's word. 
It's good to hear wonderful anointed teachings from <laughs> from ministers who love God. <laughs> if you can stay awake, even if they're not the most dynamic, don't jump up on the tables and shout and hoop and all that. Wish I could. Now, this is me. This is all you get. This is excited as I get right here. But I am grinning from ear to ear, for those of you who can't see me. But we need to study God's Word. Or, inevitably, we will go without many of the provisions that God has provided for you, that He wants you to have, that are on account for you. My people are perishing. Why? Not because I haven't provided but for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowing me is what God says. People are perishing. Christians are perishing for a lack of revelation, knowledge of this word and the promises of God and all those wonderful exchange, divine exchanges that took place on the day of atonement. Amen? So we need to study God's word. 2 Timothy Timothy 2.15, if you just look down a couple of... Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So we need to study the word in order to know how to rightly handle it, divide it, and, and, and not be deceived by fine-sounding arguments, you see. You can become so full of the truth that you can't be deceived by the lie. That's the point. So he's say, saying we need to study, show ourselves approved, a workman approved. It takes time, it takes work, it takes effort. In a sense, we need to roll up our sleeves and, and get after it. You know? You have to have a relationship with the Word of God, which is this is, this is Jesus without eyeballs right here. And this is where you're going to, He's going to talk to you. Personally, specifically, sometimes he'll talk to you and you'll hear my voice out of something that I've taught. Not, it's not me. I'm not God. But you know what I'm saying? You'll hear anointed or people that, you've, that have ministered to you. You might hear the voice of a, of a child who said something to you one time, and that's God. But you know what I'm saying? A lot of times I hear, when God's talking to me, I'll hear a minister that I'm fond of or in relation with, and I'll hear something they said. It'll come back to me, and, and I know that's God. You see, but other times I'm reading here and it's just like, oh, what? I read that three times last week and it didn't say that. Today it's talking about me. And that's cool because that's God. You see, that's our relationship. The next thing is we need to spend time in prayer. I can tell people, you know, I know a lot about every one of you that, that you've never told me. A lot. And I love you. I'm not. I'm not saying it's good, bad, indifferent. You know, I don't. I'm not prepared to judge anybody. Anyway, but I know a lot of good things about all of y'all that you never shared with me. But God, God, you know, I, I hope he, he will always do that because because uh, there was a time where He showed me. I, I'm not showing you anything if you're uh, if you're prepared to be judgmental or condemning. <laughs> 
I show you things so to, to, to be a blessing and to pray and to, to help. So anyway, but that comes from spending time in prayer. Not just talking to him either, but listening. Two ears, one mouth, reason for that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus, again, is our best example. And his most valued relationship was with the Father. And Jesus took time to cultivate in that relationship in prayer with the Father. He would often go and be in lonely places, it said. And he would pray, sometimes all night, sometimes early in the morning. You do your thing the way that, you know, you and the Lord have set it out. But it's good to have an appointment time with God. If you can meet Him at the same time every day. Not a rule, not a law. But I'm telling you, if you have a place and a time where you meet with God, He digs it. And then, you know what, people will walk into that place sometimes and they'll be like, they'll feel that. They'll feel that anointing. That's cool. And the next thing is we need to cultivate fellowship with other believers. This is where um, a lot of us are missing the train. Um, There... (laughs) You know, you hear the jokes and the stories, you know, I mean, it's not funny, but I mean, there are churches today, well, these are not churches that are probably meeting today, but there are churches where like, they have like 40 family members in that church that go, and there might be five, seven hundred thousand people who go to that church, but but uh, there's a, uh, half of them sit over here on this side, and half of them sit way over there, and, and never the two shall meet. Because they don't speak. And they haven't for years. But they go on Sunday and amen. This is not. This is really not an option for Christians. Now there may be somebody that says you stay away from me. I don't want anything to do to you. I want you to honor my. Okay. I had somebody. Um, one of our people called me yesterday. They have a. You know, like some of you, you do. And we have special things we're working on, praying for, believing for that someone in our family. And this one had, has a, a, a brother that just... Had, and they grew up together and they were baptized together and stuff like that. And now it says he didn't... And he's not a young man. It, uh, uh, he doesn't believe in God anymore. And it's it's hurtful. And, uh, and she's tried and tried to reach him as she does with everybody she knows. <laughs> so... And uh, and he's asked her not to talk to him about it anymore. I said, well, then honor his wishes. Just keep praying. And God will send others across his path. You don't want to make it worse. And she goes, well, I told him I'm not going to quit. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, you're, you're the sister. You know what? Whatever God's leading you to do. But I'm just telling you based on. I'm not telling you anything. I'm just <laughs> talking to you. But, but we'll be praying for him, right? You know, and, and God will do what he's going to do. But people tend to not realize the importance of meeting together. Uh, the Bible teaches us do not forsake the, fe- the meeting together or fellowshipping with, together as some, as some have done and gone shipwrecked. You see, without other Christian believers, we're just left to our own devices. We're not supposed to keep our own counsel, by the way. Or the help of the world. 
And when we get angry or upset about something, what do we like to do? We prefer to call that friend who's going to agree with us. That's not the right thing to do. Call that one that you know will have sympathy and, and, and compassion and love you, but not stop there. A real Christian will never stop short. You know, we, we recognize the illness. We recognize everything that comes against us. We see it. We can say it as long as we don't stop there by just glorifying the devil. But God, you know, okay, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I'm so sorry they did this to you or whatever. Let's pray. And let's pray for them, you know. Let's pray for this situation. Let's just ask, invite God into this situation. And what's a scripture or two we can stand on during this? That's a friend. That's a Christian friend. And we're all part of one body. We're all in Christ, part of one body. We're going to be in heaven together one day if we're with God. And all that, that junk ain't coming in. Unforgiveness is not an option for a Christian. It doesn't mean you're saying it's okay what people did. It means you're freeing yourself from that prison of judgment and you're trusting God to handle it in His way and His time. And He will. Amen. So free yourself. And when you become free, when you, you'll become free of yourself. And then you'll be free of others as well. Doesn't mean you're free to love them and free to you know, but you won't be you won't be compelled by peer pressure and judgment and all that stuff. You'll be able to do just what Jesus said. I only do, I only say what I see and hear my father do. And did he uh, always get received well because of that? No. But that's what we're called to do. We're part of one body. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Well, David went and what did he get? He went to the brook. He was looking for rocks for his slingshot. And he went to the brook and he got five smooth stones. There's some types and shadows in there and other ministry sermons and so forth. But he got five smooth stones. Why did they need to be smooth? So they would fly right, right? The rough edges and all that, you know, the wind. I don't know aerodynamics and all that, but I know why he got smooth stones. So they would fly better, you know? So they would get the job done. I believe that when God needs someone useful to him, that he goes to the brook. And I believe that that's where the washing of the pure water of the word has been rushing over that rock, that saint, that Christian, and been bumping together with the other rocks as the water rushes over them to get rid of all those rough edges. And I think that there are so many people that they bounce around, they're church hoppers. They, they, they're going uh, hopping because, first of all, they want to be the, te- they want to be the preacher. When they get there. They got to go tell uh, these preachers what they know and tell them what they need to know. And 
But the other, the main reason is because of offenses. People come to me, hey, I'm going to come to your church. Awesome. When did God share that with you? Oh, I'm going to leave. I'm leaving the church. To go, oh, awesome. When did God share that? What's going on? In other words, what I'm trying to do is is get them to tell me that it's been it's 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 been through prayer, that it's a God thing, that they're seeking God's will. I want you here. If God if God told you to be here, then that has nothing to do with me. You're as much a part of this church as I am. And we're responsible for getting this bus from point A to point B and doing all the good things that he has for this little body to do, you see. I'm driving. But you got a seat on the bus and you got to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, hey, see, I've never taken ownership of God's people. <laughs> They're not mine. Yeah. Love you coming, love you going. But I want it to be because that's what God wants. Yeah. And if somebody's coming or going because of an offense, it's like, I really wish you wouldn't do that. Or you can come here, but go get that straight. Yeah. Go talk and go tell them you forgive them, you love them, and just they may not you, you know, but that's okay. You do your part and you mean it. Leave it. Give it to God. Don't pick it back up. Yeah. Amen. Then you're Amen. useful. Then you can be a smooth stone without those rough edges. But the fruit of the spirit, we need to stay in godly. Relationships with other believers and don't seek worldly counsel about things that are so important. You know, I know a minister, or he's passed now, but he had, um, and, the, and the last thing is to, so is to submit to discipline. This is, this last two are kind of tough. You know, this, you know, have godly relationships, forgive everybody, and don't leave and, or come and go because of offenses. And then the last one is submit to godly discipline. The word in Proverbs, especially in, in Psalms, it talks about, oh, how you hated discipline. And he's talking about people who are basically condemned. Oh, because God tries to reach us. The Holy Spirit's always like, hey, hey, why don't you trust in me on this? You know, why don't you believe in It's unbelief is what it is. And so... The, the two kinds of discipline are, are self-discipline. We all, you know, we all, we all need to exercise selfless discipline. And if you notice, that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, one of the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> one of the fruit of the Spirit. What God's character, he's is self-discipline. So we need to exercise that in all its various forms, of course. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to treat it right and, and so forth and so on. And then the other is uh, is to is to subject ourselves to to church discipline, and that's anybody knows me. I just told you I don't take ownership. I don't want to be the boss of nobody. I don't do that to anybody. But church discipline just simply means that you that when when something comes up in your life, you're seeking godly counsel about it. You know. Um, you know, and that, that's one. That's that's another place where people get off the bus. They, <laughs> that's why they hide in huge congregations many times. Not all, because there are lots of benefits to being in a big, wonderful church with lots of money and wonderful uh, musicians and 
and all together you can affect entire nations and you know communities with we all pull together. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful things. Small groups, if they're godly, you know, nothing against anybody. But I'm saying half the people there. I, I have a friend here in town who has a over ten thousand member church. And he he told me he knows that that the overwhelming majority of the people in his church are not saved. And a lot of people just go because they can duck in and out, never be confronted with anything. I don't mean confront. When I'm talking about godly confrontation, see, I mean it in a good way. Yeah. You know? Because when people really want to, to, to be more godly and to be more useful to God and to grow and to be unhindered by... Let's see, we half, half of the people are that are supposed to more that belong to God are still walking around uh, suffering from certain aspects of the curse. Well, I told you, Jesus took that curse on his body on the tree. Anything that reads in Deuteronomy 28, and you should, even in mildew, that's part of the curse. Don't reject it. Reject it in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Praise God. Well, uh, about a quarter of the way through with everything I want to talk about. So it's a good stopping point. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you and we just thank you so much for an opportunity to come together once again, your children, to receive the pure manna from heaven, the, the water of the word of God. And we just thank you for cleansing us and smoothing us out, Lord, and helping us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to cultivate the fruit of the spirit that you've placed in us the mind of christ and we thank you lord that uh, we're seeking you for the gifts of the spirit to uh, that to, to use us anytime that you see fit and uh, we will be mindful of your gifts and uh, of opportunities when uh, we see a need we will be available lord help us to be mindful of this to meditate on what this means what it looks like for the christian but to not only develop our character to be more like you uh, and and ask you to help us with that on a daily basis but also to to be willing uh, uh, participants and useful to you for the gifts uh, that you need to, uh, to to ring that dinner bell for people to hear the gospel, the truth of your love and grace, and to to help people who haven't uh, come to a level of faith where they can they can walk in the blessing and they need a miracle. They have they have terrific crisis issues or sicknesses or diseases and, and they need them. And help us to be useful to you to minister those things as well. We love you and we thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.